If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Welcome back to In Discovery, the indie gaming podcast from Rock Paper Shotgun. I'm one of your hosts, Rebecca Jones, joined as ever by my lovely co-hosts, Liam Richardson. Hi! And Rachel Watts. Hello! Uh, And today, we've decided it's time to answer one of the biggest questions in gaming. What exactly is an indie game anyway? I don't think anyone's ever really tried to tackle this issue before, so I think within the next hour or so, we should be able to properly (laughs) knock it out, like, get it settled once and for all. Yeah, I... I'm pretty sure we're good to do this, right, guys? Oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it's, it's all fine. It's all fine. So yes, obviously, <laughs> I should clarify if we're going to do this semi-seriously, which I kind of hope we will. I am joking. <laughs> uh, you could write an, in, write an entire PhD dissertation on this, I think, and be no closer to a definitive answer than mm. when you started. But we thought it would be a good idea to do this as a kind of manifesto for ourselves to, you know, get an idea of what games we will and won't be considering covering on the podcast and just digging into our own ideas on this because there are so many little issues within the question of what is an indie like what defines indie who gets to decide what an indie is are we going to talk about double a games on this podcast which is something that we've gone back and forth on a lot Mm. and then you know what is double a at that point there's lots to think about we almost certainly won't come up with a concrete answer sorry about that (laughs) actually though i'd be amazed if we did imagine if we did Imagine yeah, we just imagine like, no, we did. We, we've cracked the code. We've got it <laughs> Done. all sorted now. We know what an indie is. Everybody move on. <laughs> this is the last episode. Ah. Done. Yeah. <laughs> it's all goodbye. Six episodes. Stop it while it's good. Six and we're done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And yeah, we just thought it would make for an interesting chat. And uh, between mm. one thing and another, we've we've not managed to have this talk before, even though we've been meaning to since we started. Shall, shall we have a... A little, shall we have a little catch up? I haven't, I haven't spoke to either of you much over the past fortnight. How are we doing? Are we doing okay? Are we doing well? Yeah, surprisingly mm-hmm. busy, isn't it at the moment? Yes, yes. for, for a March. <laughs> yes, it really it's is. Busy. <laughs> There's too many games to play. Not enough mm. hours in the day. Uh, when oh, am I supposed yes. to eat almonds if I'm too busy playing uh, indie games? <laughs> yeah, there's not enough time. Yeah, just this week, um, over on the site, we've given out three bestest bests. And I'm I'm living for it, but also they are there are there are lots of games. There are so many games coming out. There are yes. too many games. <laughs> oh yeah, we're we're post embargo, so I can talk about Resident Evil 4 on this podcast. I hadn't thought about yeah. that. Yeah, but yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Best is yeah. best. Go read my review. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. I I've been told I will fall back in love with AAA gaming when I play it for guides next week. So uh, Oh, really? Yes. I might be biased. <laughs> <That> <laughs> Maybe, a me, that. Maybe a little bit. Maybe a little bit, but I trust you. 
I trust your. Biases. I got very excited when you got a call because I was like, "Oh, finally, I can I can message someone about this, and it's Rebecca, so I can be completely <laughs> intolerable about it and don't have to feel embarrassed." Yes, please do. The more intolerable, the better. Because <laughs> also, then I have an excuse to really go off the next time something that I really like comes out, and you can't yeah, like, it will it will come back round as yeah. it always does. It always does. <laughs> Me and Rebecca still waiting for you to play Danganronpa one day. <laughs> Well, I didn't, did I say this in the, in the group chat or did I say it just to Rebecca? I went downstairs the other day and a friend of the podcast, uh, Yolly, who's been playing on the Xbox a bit at the moment because she's playing through Persona 5. She was on Game Pass and she was like in the search function. And as I walked in, she went, what, what's that high school game that <laughs> Rebecca spoke about on the podcast? It's yes. like, it's got like a name with like D, da, da. And I was like, oh, Danganronpa. She was like, yeah, whatever. Can we play it together? I was like, yeah, <laughs> nice. Yeah, I'm so, an influencer. <laughs> you you are. have You have been influenced. <laughs> yeah, I did. When you told me that story, actually, I did realize that I have been saying Danganronpa a lot and not actually slowing down enough for people to hear the name, which is really bad because I first heard about Danganronpa on a podcast and couldn't look it up for months <gasps> because I couldn't work out quite what oh, I was saying. Really? Um, so yeah. Um, to be fair, like, I couldn't pronounce it for years. I think I pronounced it wrong for so many years. And through the first one when I was playing, I was like, Dan, Dan Ban Ronda? Dan Can. So yeah, <laughs> so it's fair I, enough. <laughs> I feel like I should, for the benefit of, of listeners who may have been frustrated in this endeavor, I'm just going to quickly spell it. It is D-A-N-G-A-N-R-O-N-P-A. Um, yeah, there you go. I wish someone had done that for me like three years ago. <laughs> it's, is it a Japanese word? It's, it's, I think it's a Japanese compound word, I think. Oh, really? Uh, um, okay. I am told, I don't speak beyond the most incredibly basic Japanese, I don't understand Japanese, but I am told it means bullet reputation. So I guess I don't quite know where the okay. split is, but... Rachel, you will understand presumably the game mechanic that it is referring to. Yes, yes. Um, bullet <laughs> reputation. Apparently, it's amazing that they didn't translate it like they did with Ace Attorney. You'd Why think they, they would. Bullet reputation. That rules. Just call it <laughs> bullet reputation. <laughs> That's way better than Dangan Romper. Like I get it, I get why it's Dangan Romper, but bullet reputation slaps so hard. <laughs> But you know what? A lot of like Japanese Furious. games always come over to the to the west with like these really awful names, like <laughs> Paranormal Sight being one of the ones I was playing this week. <laughs> oh yeah, of course. What? I'm I love for that, that game. It's great. But what kind of a name is that? Honestly, Paranormal Sight. <laughs> Paranormal Sight. It's like Paranormal Panorama. But also, the, like, stop. Just call it. Yeah, Ace Attorney is the perfect kind of example for that, right? Clean, classy, mm. know exactly what you're getting into. But Danganronpa is like, what What even is that? Like, yeah, it makes yeah. no sense. Yeah, I could not understand the thing. Is the best job on earth being the person <laughs> who names Square Enix games? <gasps> because you can call them anything and someone there signs it off. There's a Kingdom Hearts <laughs> game called Fragmentary Passage. Oh, like, yeah. Oh, God, that sounds like a there. medical condition. <laughs> the Kingdom Hearts literally... games are, yeah, so badly named. The thing that I love about that Kingdom Hearts one is the fact that yeah. that is also basically the same title as the South Park game, where the whole point of the South Park game's title <laughs> is that it sounds like a medical condition. <laughs> it's the same damn title. That's a good point. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, uh, before we dive into today's topic, I have a bit of a podcast update that I haven't told either of you about. And like, mm -hmm. this is big. Gang. Exciting. All right, you excited <gasps> Exciting. for this? So, 
Okay. Found a website, right? That you put your podcast URL in and it tells you where it's charting around the world, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So here we go. Are you ready for this? Right. As of today, as of the 16th of March, yeah. we are not charting at all in the video game section in USA. Great Britain, Germany, Sweden, they don't care. We're not charting at all. However, <laughs> the Netherlands were 75. <gasps> Hell yeah. New Zealand, New Zealand 86, up 148 places today, apparently. I don't know why. 240 in Italy and 67 in Slovakia. So we're big in Slovakia. Hell yeah. <laughs> nice. Is what I've learned today. <laughs> That's incredible. Thank you to all of our lovely listeners in those countries and everywhere else as well, of course. But you know, yeah, yeah some like some it. good some good places. I can't believe that we're charting anywhere for any reason. <laughs> I know, right? It's wild. I was thinking that as well. I really like saying that we're Slovakia's seventy sixth most popular video game. Oh podcast. hell yeah! I think hell it's got yeah. a really nice ring to it. Ask going in the description. Yes, one thousand percent. I love it. Oh, thank you for that update. That was that was really yes. fun to get the live reactions to that. It was. So fun. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing else going on in my life, so I was like, oh, I'll lean really heavily on the Slovakia thing. <laughs> <laughs> now we know who we maybe want to root for in uh, in Eurovision. We've got some. We've oh, got yeah. some. Hell in there. yeah! <laughs> Good point. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> New Zealand, though, we'll have to find another way for New Zealand because they're not in Eurovision. They should just yeah. be allowed to be in Eurovision. Yeah, like Australia, they should just. Yeah, Australia's in there. Why? Like geographically, I don't think that's an excuse. They anyway. were like a guest, and then they were like, and then the Eurovision committee were like, "You're great, just stay," and that could happen with New Zealand. <laughs> yeah, fingers crossed. Anyway, for New Zealand, Eurovision chat. That's not for this podcast, is it? <laughs> I will literally go on. I will. <laughs> I will unravel if we talk about Eurovision. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Maybe then. For now, Quickly. just just for now, we should we should have a bit of a chat about what we think an indie game is. You would think this would be something it would be useful for us to know, but it is actually fairly complicated as an issue, I think. I haven't actually really scripted anything for this part because I thought that we would just kind of go back and forth in the many ways that we always do when we talk about what we Mm. think is and isn't an indie game. But maybe a little bit of a script to start us off would have been a good idea. And this is what I meant when I said that I both had and hadn't prepared for for today's episode and my hosting duties because I wrote scripts for all the other bits. But this, I was like, it'd be fine. Yeah, I I think it'll be more than We'll do it on the night. (laughs) Yeah, we'll do it live. We'll do it live. Shall we literally just go around the table and just say what is an indie game? And we'll start from there. (laughs) Yes. In my mind, there are, on the one side, very definitively, there'll be no arguments from anyone here. (laughs) One person sat at a computer making something that they're pouring love into, a piece of art that is an indie game, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. They're doing it with their own funds. They're making it alone. That is, on the one hand, as indie as you can get. It's the other side, I think, where this line blurs. Mm-hmm. It's when you start to look at things like indie publishers and right. maybe teams right. of larger people who are making games. A comment that we've said a lot on this podcast is like, technically, at one point, Destiny was an indie game because mm-hmm. it was self-published by Bungie. Oh, well, mm. yes, absolutely. Do you want to know the yeah. weird one that I realised this week? What's that? Um, what? As, as, our, as our guides writer who does all things Hoyoverse and Genshin Impact, Genshin Impact is self-published. 
by Hoyaverse. So by that strict definition of indie, Genshin Impact, most expensive game on the planet currently, biggest budget, would be an indie. I think that that is... Oh, by God. that, by this parameters. That's mm. very like um, letter of the law versus spirit of the law. I think we can agree yes. yeah. called something like that an indie game. But <laughs> technically, in one sense, it kind of is. And then you look back at the history of Hoyaverse and you're like, well, 10 years ago, it was three students in a dorm room. Um, mm. So, you know, there's wow. also the question of at what point does, does something transition away from being an indie? Because that's an interesting one, right? Because like, if we're thinking about ways in which we can define indies, one of them is, I mean, one of the main ones is financially. Like, mm. who yeah. is, who is um, financing this game? And in terms of like, yeah, Genshin, that automatically might not make it an indie because of the amount of money behind it, whether that was at the beginning Absolutely. or whether it is now. So that's the thing. It's like, there's a bunch of parameters. I think for me, it comes down to two, potentially maybe three. So it kind of comes down to what I think is financial freedom and also creative freedom as well. Because I think with Genshin Impact, there was they had a, a, a very corporate marketing strategy and they knew mm-hmm. exactly who to go for how to um approach that certain demographic and creatively i think that kind of the the creativity that's part of that is second hand to what essentially is we need to sell this game and so i don't know i think creativity comes a lot into what we kind of define as like an indie game as well and like I don't know. For that reason, I think Genshin, on that term, like you said, might be an indie, but because of what I think, <laughs> probably not. I mean, I hope oh, not. Yeah, I don't absolutely. know. Do we, to, do we have to talk about Genshin Impact on the podcast now? <laughs> I know. Well, I, I did throw out a deliberately absurd one to try and get the yes, conversation yes. flowing. I didn't realise quite how, a, how devastating good, like, it yeah. would be. <laughs> it's a really good point. I, I really like those two parameters, though. The idea of financial freedom and... Mm creative freedom absolutely can i clarify in your mind with financial freedom i assume that doesn't mean any kind of outside investment yeah again i think base by basis right it's like yeah who who is yeah who's where's the money coming from is it through and how much through financial investment how much of a say do they have on the arts that you are essentially creating right i mean it's with any Mm. other any other media so i guess in that way um, yeah, that makes I sense. I think it's, yeah, it's about yeah. control, right? Who has control over what? Like, is it two guys? Yeah, making um, Super Meat Boy in their respective houses, and like, obviously that's indie. But then, because that's an interesting one as well, because that got picked up by Microsoft, who published it as yeah. a exclusive. It was during the summer of uh, summer of arcade initiative that yes. uh, mm-hmm. I miss all the time. I thought that was brilliant, mm-hmm. but. Yeah, they they poured a lot of money into that and Bastion, I yes. think, and Fez as well. Maybe Fez was a was Ooh. was a game that was part of that initiative too. But mm. so yeah, that is an odd one because it was literally like you say, it was two guys. But then I don't think they were like bankrolled by Microsoft. You wonder how much of the Microsoft agreement was we'll give you some cash to carry you over the finish line, but then you're all but guaranteed sales mm. because you're going to be right, you know, dead center on the xbox dashboard yeah um because in terms of creativity i don't think microsoft had a an inch in what they were doing i don't think they had any say they just kind of spotlighted them and i think the same with with bastion as well i'm pretty sure bastion specifically did that because they they wanted to own own the copyright 
further Supergiant wanted to own the copyright to Bastion. So they purposely were like, yeah. you you can help us publish, but we do not want a dime of your money for development purposes because we want this copyright. And I, it must be maybe the same with Meat Boy and potentially Fez as well. Like they were spotlighted on the, were they Xbox exclusives in that case? Um, or, or did they come no. to PC later? Maybe they remember. came to PC later. I, I definitely remember playing Bastion for the first time on 360. But then I, right. I feel like very shortly after I, I bought it for my girlfriend at the time on Steam. So I, it must have been like a six month because I definitely thing. played them all on Steam. I just can't remember wh- when they, if there was like a contract or something. Anyway, I mean, yeah. yeah. So definitely they didn't, like Microsoft didn't have direct creative control. So I still would be like, yep, straight up indie, 1000%. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I think you can, because, you know, Sony and Nintendo have also Mm. you know, highlighted and bankrolled, mm. you know, to an extent, a lot of indies that I would still class as pure yes. indies yes this one i think we've talked about it before as well as the ea originals program really throws a lot of questions oh, yeah, in the air on this one, one as well yeah which is one i think about a lot because you, you look at ea originals and they've got some you know some some pretty big i mean i guess with like haze light that would be mm. more like double a than indie strictly speaking but also it's it's clearly there for a reason to be like it's not published by ea it's published as an ea original and that distinction yeah can you talk a bit about what EA Original means? Like, what is that initiative for people who might not know? I've been trying to look it up to see if they actually ever mention explicit. I mean, it's EA, so I, I wouldn't hold your breath for a lot of um, <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. explicit acknowledgement of where the money is going and where it's coming from and what exactly it's doing. Mm. Yeah. But the the description from the official EA site in, in brief is EA Originals exists to deliver unique and memorable gaming experience to our players from the best independent studios. So I guess they do say independent in there. Oh, okay. So mm. it's like a partnership, as I understand it. Um, it is a partnership between a sort of indie yeah. or a double A studio and EA as publisher, but not, I, I assume not in, in a development capacity, but again, it's so vague. Mm. And I don't necessarily have access to this information as... As a as a games journal, sometimes sometimes I'm allowed to talk to EA, sometimes I'm not. That's that's the yeah. <laughs> it's a very interesting question. Yeah, because like I feel like you know that Square Enix collective initiative that they did a couple of years ago, and mm. they they published uh, a, like Forgotten Anne. They published that I think. And, oh yes. Yeah. Oh my god, I forgot about that. Forgotten Anne. Yeah, I I feel like I would put those games up for consideration of discussion on this podcast. Mm. but EA Originals I don't know I feel like with the like what was that game they did about the um was it like a kid in a, in a world that's been flooded and there was monsters in the water oh that Sea was of Solitude EA. yes oh yeah yes. yeah and they did like, Frey as well which is a super again it got yeah. that super indie vibe to it right would you consider that a candidate for this pod Oh, it's so hmm. hard to say. This is uh, I. I basically came in here with a lot of things to throw at you two and have you answer the questions for me that I struggle <laughs> with. So. Reversed. Got we you. got you. <laughs> Reverse Uno. Uh, see, I would still say yes. I would still yeah. say yes because sometimes it's maybe this is weird, but it is a vibe as well. Like, what are these games? doing yeah. trying to accomplish is it something new is it different because in that case that endeavor of creating something different 
feels indie and especially in scope if like these are like i'm pretty sure sea of solitude was what six hours maybe less it was short that's a very even i finished it that's how short it is right <laughs> but that is a game which is very short and definitely has a specific point of view which makes me feel yeah. like it's indie like mm-hmm. i didn't quite get along with it just because i don't know that's just me but like that's good because Games shouldn't be for everyone. And so when something has a point of view, I'm more inclined for it to, for it to feel like an indie game rather than something mm. that is like, you mm. know, I don't know. Yeah. I, I like what you say about it having kind of an indie vibe because this is something that I think Liam and I have talked about in the past. Actually brings us back to our very first episode where I, um, I mistakenly, not knowing the context at the time, uh, referred to Pentiment as an indie based on vibes, not knowing who this it was developed or published by. Then Liam and I had this discussion uh, a couple of weeks later where we were like, at what point, there are some genres I feel that at the moment feel like they belong in the indie space. Mm-hmm. So exclusively, like we talked about visual novels and point and click adventure games oh, and yeah. those feel like things that don't, Yeah, they don't feel like they're, get, like they're getting AAA funding from the publishers anymore. You know, even when, it is being helmed by quite a big team. It it feels like this again. We're talking about f- you know feeling a lot. Like we we feel looking at like I think we were saying Pentiment has the feeling that it probably had about the same budget as Broken Age. Right? We're not looking at something yes. that was like you know not the latest Final Fantasy or whatever scale and mm. scope of budget to it. But obviously there you've got you know it's published by by Xbox. It's developed by Obsidian. It's not you can't mm. exactly. You can't reasonably compare it again to the work of the, the solo indie dev working in their spare room. But somehow we have to reconcile that all of these exist in a space together because the games industry is a single space in a, yeah. in a sense. And then, yeah, yeah I, again, I brought no answers. I've been a real jerk about this. I've just brought questions to make you two talk about. No, it's good. No, we're like, I, we're like feeling yeah. our way through. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. <laughs> we're like spelunking. Like a, like a panel. Oh, okay. Ooh, oh. yeah. <laughs> you went for panel and I was like, we're underground. We've like- swapped. We've swapped from last episode. Now you're talking about holes in the ground and I'm talking about sophisticated spaces. <laughs> what, you, you have me thinking there, just like a little, there's not really a point to this, but it's interesting, I guess. Like, you know, we're talking about how now if a game was a point and click or like a, a visual novel, you would almost sort of expect it to be within the indie space because those are, are genres that sort of aren't bankrolled by triple or double A anymore. Mm. But I was just thinking like, you know, back in the nineties, it was the opposite, you know, Sierra oh, and LucasArts were on top of their game, you know, and a boxed copy of Monkey Island was <laughs> like a triple A game. Mm. But then last year we get the most recent Monkey Island game, which is now published by Devolver and is, I guess, technically an indie. So it's mm. almost like a series has gone from AAA down to indie purely because of this like nebulous conversation that we're having now, right? Like it, it, the, the parameters that it falls under and it's very strange. Like, and you're right. I think it's interesting when you said that everything, it just falls within this wider yeah. umbrella of the games industry anyway. And, you know, I think ultimately in terms of what we cover on this podcast, is probably more things that have been overlooked by the wider gaming press is probably my feeling for what we cover here right is mm-hmm. like we want to talk about cooler games that maybe don't get the spotlight they deserve or mm. you know things mm-hmm. like that but certainly yeah as a manifesto i think that's a that's a good starting point 
Um, I think that, that the fact yeah. that we are part of Rock Paper Shotgun and have that kind of backing from from our parents, like to do that as well, means that we're already kind of in that mindset. So we, I, I know, I sometimes forget that that's kind of an unusual position to be in mm. as games journalists, and mm-hmm. you know, but it's like you could you could kind of go anywhere and hear about the latest AAA game, um, and yeah, it's it's nice. Yeah. If it does just feel nice to be able to to kind of in a in a selfish way get the scoop, but also know that you're bringing something to an audience that might not hear about it otherwise is just really satisfying i find yeah mm-hmm. yeah i love it it's so mm. nice i wanted to touch upon something really quickly that you said Liam, before we move on yeah of course because that is interesting right why has monkey island in particular gone from something that has been triple a like wonder boy to now being something that's particular like particularly indie and i honestly think it has something to do with like the way in which we, you know, games were 2D and now big blockbuster AAA is now, you know, as technology has advanced, whatever, is now three, like 3D with all this new tech. And it's almost like, and this involves Pentiment as well. I think there's a misconception that like games that look good and feel good to play and are bigger in scope are AAA rather than like your 2D Pentiment, which is very specific is indie right so i feel mm. like the that perspective of like okay well hyperlight drifter which was a 2d game was an indie game hyperlight breakers now in 3d bigger scope it that doesn't feel indie anymore to me feel indie anymore even though it d- definitely is but it's kind of like it's a miss it's just a vibe and it's definitely not correct like of course like a 3d open world like game can be totally and utterly indie but it's that it's that vibe like i don't know it's the amount of polish maybe i don't know that's just me but i think monkey island's a good example because it's like it's always been very like cheeky 2d about pirates and everything i just think that's a good example to look at the trajectory oh yeah yeah and there's there's an interesting point to be raised there as well um because i i was big into point and clicks in the 90s and early 2000s i have a a reasonably good knowledge of the history of them and a thing that i find Mm. interesting from that is that like because they were the the sort of the high prestige games of the day or were among the the high prestige genres of the day Mm. um there was there was that massive like crash in their popularity in the late 90s and early 2000s and part of that was blamed on the fact that they went 3d too early in a lot of cases and so I wonder if almost oh, if, mm. if they kind of collapsed under the weight of their own AAA status, meeting this new technology that they weren't really ready to incorporate. And that has then, you know, fractured a lot of those studios like Sierra, like LucasArts that were doing those games. And so now the creators have gone on to independent projects that, you know, as we say, it's like a continuum. It's all part of the same history yes. of gaming to say... You know, that's what yeah. happens because I'm thinking of Gabriel Knight in particular, which was my favorite point and click series. You of love the 90s. Gabriel Knight. I love Gabriel Knight. You and love. Gabriel Knight pretty much single handedly killed Golden Age point and click. The third game was <laughs> so. I mean, like, there's it been was still a murder. Well Yes, it was still well written, um, but yeah. it was um, it was it went three D too soon, and they ended up having to, you know, cut corners at the end of development because of the fact that it it was this 3D um, game mm. that they couldn't quite handle. And, uh, you know, there are criticisms of the puzzles and so on. And and literally you will find blogs on the internet saying this game was the moment where you realised that point and clicks <laughs> were kind of over for AAA. Wow. Mr. Knight, you have some explaining to do. <laughs> you could take a forensic sort of attitude to this and, and try and, and chart all that. But I do wonder if it's like, you know, and then the, the, the scaling back into things like, you know, 
2D environments and more artistic, less attempts at, at mm. high realism is because the budgets went down because they yeah. ran in too soon. And like it, it's all part of a, it's all part of a wider history again of the games industry. And it's so hard, I think, even if you you do intend to talk about indies, to talk about indies without, um, without reference to AAA, even if it's only in passing for that reason. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love stuff like that. It's a really interesting. There is like a cyclical nature to how you know, front like genres specifically go AAA and then fall back, and then obviously the indie, the smaller budgets, the the ability to to appeal to a niche audience, they then kind of like trickle back and become like indie darlings. Like you know, yeah, retro FPSs are huge now and are very much an indie genre, mm. but. In the '90s, they were the biggest games on the planet, and you yes. almost sort like I'm almost thinking like what what happens in 20 years? Like you know, we're kind of going through like a revolution at the moment of like PlayStation One style graphics because oh, it's yeah. easier and mm. cheaper for developers to do. And you almost think like, well, what genres in 20 years is going to be considered indie? Are we going to be playing like grey military shooters like Call of Duty, and that's going to be like <laughs> indie games? It's going to be like these people who grew up with like call of duty in the mid 2010s and like oh yeah like we're making like a homage to to the infinity wards like classic series but on an indie budget and <laughs> you know open world games you know it's just wild to to think about we're we gonna see an indie battle royale at some point in in you know 2045 <laughs> my god i think the indie battle royales are already making their way onto steam <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, very true. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I cannot attest to their quality. I have not got around to playing any of them, but I have seen one or two that I'm like, oh, that looks interesting. Especially when um, Squid Game came out and every everyone was trying to make yes. a, an extremely oh, quick yeah. Squid Game game. I hate seeing Squid Game <laughs> game. I had to say it so much when it came out. And I'm like... Squid Game game. Squid like Game game. game. <laughs> squid game what about game. A, a Squid Game about squids? Squid Game game squids. Anyway. Splatoon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you. You you delivered a punchline that I was just nowhere near there. Thank you for that. He he is an interesting little uh, grenade to throw in the middle of the two of you. Um, oh, go on. People who make games for platforms like Roblox or Dreams mm. or modes in Fortnite are they are they indie developers? One thousand percent, yes. Mm-hmm. I cool. think. I think. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But that is a good point, right? You're using a platform, a popular platform, to make something within that platform. Does it have the same status as said platform? And I don't, I think no. I think like, but it's interesting mm. as well because with something like Dreams, to play those, those, <laughs> those indie games, you need to buy a 30 quid game to get access to those games. But again, Dreams is all about creativity. I think that's just what it comes back to back to like yeah i just the intention behind it especially as they are they're completely outside like commercial and corporate like influences right and so for me that's why they feel indie like i've not i've not played any roblox games and i don't plan ever to play ever any roblox games ever i don't recommend it (laughs) yeah but those kind of Liam and i are both just getting that thousand yard stare as we remember our time with roblox (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think we're both a bit too old to have played it as the intended audience but we've both played it for work and it's just like yeah yeah. never i would never (sighs) do that (laughs) i can't my life (laughs) (laughs) um yeah so i know that's how i that's how i see it yes yeah okay i feel vibes again yeah, that yeah. actually it it does um 
I, I'm able to to as ever manipulate this back around to a talking point that I wanted to <laughs> to to talk about because Ooh. I think it is it oh, is like related, it. which is that um you know throwing throwing back to the the kind of origins of this podcast when Liam and I were talking about if we wanted to do a podcast together, and one of the things that I suggested um was like a visual novel book club right Mm. if you recall and then i was looking into because i play a lot of at the moment like japanese visual novels and i was trying to work out the status of a lot of those because they feel pretty double a um Mm. in a lot of ways but i was kind of like trying to establish status um to see where we'd we'd fall in terms of their eligibility and i kind of realized that it's not necessarily like the whole triple a double a indie isn't necessarily universally applicable in that, you know, the the culture around game development in Japan is, is largely the same, but it's subtly different enough that you can't necessarily just throw those three labels on it, even if mm. you can establish what they mean from like a sort of like European or North American game development perspective. Um, you know, there are there are slight differences in the way games are developed across the world. And I think when you talk about things like Roblox and Dreams as well, there's, there's kind of that. It, it isn't a sort of three-tiered, one-size-fits-all system, you're going to see mm-hmm. those those variations and things where you've got like, you know, like Dojinsoft, I don't know if I pronounced that right, my apologies, uh, games in Japan, which are definitely those very, very indie titles of being like, someone developed it in their spare time, maybe using like the Renpy visual novel engine or or whatever. And then there's obviously, you've got things like, you understand what Japanese AAA is. It's the same AAA as everyone else, largely. It's It largely is the AAA for everyone else. Um, but then, obviously, I was looking mainly into something like Spike Chunsoft, which is um, yes. the studio behind roughly half of all the games I play. They do Danganronpa. They did uh, <laughs> Zero. What's it? What's it called? Oh, it's gone. The Nonary Games. The Nonary Games. Thank yeah. you, Zero Escape. The Nonary Games. Uh, they did, like, 4-2-H-B Scramble. They do a lot of, of visual novels and detective games and games in that vein and i'm like i have been unable to establish to my own satisfaction where spike johnsoff sit in all of this because it's clear that they've got they've got you know money behind them enough to Mm. put out a lot of games that they want to they are self-publishing stuff under their own banner um Mm. kind of the closest equivalent i was thinking was maybe like old telltale but then i was like i don't know where i think old telltale sat either so Oh, yeah. Telltale's a tricky one, isn't it? It is. Sorry, I did say I was going to just throw all the hardest ones at you and then sort of sit back. (laughs) Well, Spike Chunsoft, I I would probably say. No? Maybe. Yeah, no is my thing. But Mm -hmm. is this a question about when a. Right, I'm going to say something here that's going to be like massively wanky and you're going to lose respect for me, right? Bring it on. Is is there a concept of like double I? games oh it, uh, do devolver what's that it, if you're published by devolver does that make you like a double i which is almost so like between... equivalent to a double a yeah like yeah. sits between indie so like indie double mm. i double a triple a is almost like the pipeline what does it mean uh, what does that mean sorry i've like, literally never heard this yeah I, I don't know it's I, it's double just I. like i'm trying to work out like what I, I guess I'm trying to think of a name for something like if I'm if I'm published by Devolver or No More Robots, mm-hmm. like that doesn't make me any less indie. No, but it gives me access to like a pool of resources that maybe I wouldn't have gotten if I was like self-publishing. Mm. And like, eh, does that mm. like I, I like? I so, get uh, entirely what you're saying. I do think it makes it makes a lot of sense that there is maybe a a category in here that doesn't really have a name yet. Yeah. 
and and like as you say, it does feel more like it sits to the side of double A, but as a slightly yeah. distinct entity. <laughs> or are I'm we like, just reinventing double A? <laughs> I've just got this like thing in my brain. I've got this like scale, and I'm just trying to like visually put all this stuff on the scale, and I'm like, no, but that doesn't make sense. I can't go there. Go yeah. like, like mind trying to mind map everything i can't do it when i yes. said double i i almost felt your soul like <laughs> drift backwards from your eyes it was quite a thing to see Aww. actually <laughs> I, I, I i've never heard that term before I, I think it is a pre-existing i'm not smart enough to have made that up it's definitely a pre-existing it sounds term, like something yeah yeah mm. uh, but like with telltale I, honestly, my gut is because they were working with brands like The Walking Dead and yeah, Game of Thrones right? and like Marvel that they almost feel like there was probably too much money going around there. And it's a bit like what Rachel you were saying about like the con- the creative control part. Yeah, like I can imagine Telltale had yeah. a limited amount of creative control with those brands, uh, and that maybe changes it. Yeah, but- yeah. I mean, like for sure, Telltale doesn't feel indie, right? But then you kind of look at the space they occupied for a long time, and you're like, they weren't triple a no right no. for sure even though they had all of those ips under their under their banner i mean i think that working with a big ip is not mm. necessarily the be all and end all um for example the i think it's kaigan games who make the simulacra series also do some doctor who games um, oh yeah they do right. like, you know i was gonna say bithel games made yep. the john wick game and they're making a tron game but they are very very much indie yeah yes mm-hmm uh, this is just like Lovecraftian horror levels of I, even I wasn't prepared for how messy this was going to get <laughs> as we discussed it. Just, um... The Telltale ones fucked me up. <laughs> yeah, me too. That's like crumbled my worldview. Right. Like... I, feel, I feel like I had a solid idea. I was like, nope, I got it. This is how I feel. And now I'm I'm out to sea with no lifeboat. No oh. life jacket. <laughs> I'm just, I, don't know, I you... don't know which way is up. Have you been playing Dredge again? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I want to be playing Dredge all the time. Oh, it does look good. Um, I'm so excited to play Dredge. It's it's going to be amazing. Yeah, so oh, sorry to just throw all that in and kind of make you deal with it. But yeah, it's it's kind of, you know, it it is that that case of like, as I looked at the games mm. that I really love these days, yeah. most of them sit in a really awkward place. Because I feel like I'm playing a couple of big triple a titles all the time mm. and mm-hmm. i'm playing some little one-shot indies and then almost everything that i'm really really into sits in that really awkward gray area yeah mm. absolutely <laughs> well you know what it's, it's... we don't have to have an answer we don't it's, we it's just kind of like... uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um yeah i think that i think that actually surprisingly despite the fact that that we just came in here to to throw ideas at the wall we did come up with kind of some good ideas for a manifesto it's like mm. we feel like yeah. it's games that are underrepresented in sort of mm-hmm. mainstream gaming media it is games where the devs mm-hmm. had a lot of creative control you know i think those are both really good starting points um also the yeah. idea that it's kind of at our discretion i think is really important as well <laughs> we can just kind yeah, of go vibes. like yeah mm, vibes absolutely um you yeah. know i, I don't I, think I completely that- agree we would ever want to be in a position where we were sort of nickel and diming ourselves over whether we should talk about something if someone was really into it. Unless it's like, mm. I will keep my, my Sims obsession to a minimum, obviously, because I think if anything's <laughs> AAA, that is. Um, <laughs> yeah, yes. there's, there's yes. no room for discussion about that one, really, is there? <laughs> no, no, not really. I think 
<laughs> I think uh, I'll put Sims and Genshin on a very high shelf and Tomb Raider. They can go on the on the mm. AAA shelf that I only bring out for other stuff. Oh, Tomb Raider's again. Oh, is Tomb yeah. Raider's a double. Tomb Raider's dropping down the the list. That's actually, actually Tomb really Raider true. is now a double A game. I I actually think. I said it, and now you said that, and I immediately agree with you because, mm. like, they just sold it off to Embracer, right? At a pretty big <gasps> yes. loss for, you know, yeah. Like, it's not valued the way it was, you know, even ten years ago. Clearly, no, yes, absolutely not. I mean, no, but yes, I agree. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what well, one one last point? Uh, mm. Sorry, you were really like wrapping that up amazingly there, and I'm just <laughs> going to run in and just it. smash that conclusion. Go for it. How do we feel about games that begin indie and then? very much transition into not indie and i'm talking explicitly about minecraft uh, like you know that, that is such my a good love. point thank you for raising it because it would have been really remiss not to yes. not to bring minecraft into this discussion you know it's made by uh, someone from space um we'll never know <laughs> an entity that doesn't exist and yeah. then it gets bought by microsoft for billions and now it's like you know, a, a platform that's so lucrative, it's not even exclusive to the publisher that purchased it. Mm-hmm. It still sort of feels <laughs> indie to me. 1000%. But it's like not. I mean, it was inspired by fucking Dwarf Fortress. Like, it couldn't be more indie. Like, yeah. Yeah. I, I guess it's not now. Mm, no. No. I think yeah, you're, I think you're question, right. It? It's, it's that transition not. for sure. I think you've, you've like, it's a really good point. For sure, it came out of space. Maybe back then it was for sure, right? When yeah. the space fart- farted it out. But <laughs> yeah. then when, when Hatsune, it got... Hatsune Hatsune is that much more indie yes. than that. Just like zero human developers involved. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Not a human hand has touched this. It is the most indiest indie. Um, but yeah, I don't... Yeah, there's no way that that no. game is indie now. Um yeah. So when was the 10 year anniversary? Was it last year or the year before? 2021, so, I think, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, so, which yeah. part? Because it, it kept relaunching into various beaters, didn't it? So. Yeah, true. Has any other game done that? I think it's just. I'm just Minecraft, trying to think. I think. Is Minecraft its own category on our like, new I would love Maybe. that triangle of gaming. <laughs> Minecraft is just in its own yeah. little bit. <laughs> yes. Mike, yeah. Because it's not like a Stardew Valley that is incredibly successful because it hasn't... But still it's like, very it, clearly... Mm, yeah. yeah. I guess like if Sony bought Stardew Valley, right, that would be the right. same level. But as it's Stardew, Stardew Valley it's and then like bankrolled it for years to the point where it was it was clearly... Yeah. It was, it yeah. was like inextricably associated with Sony as a brand. Yeah. For example. But with Minecraft, happened, Minecraft has a... Like a... <laughs> like a cinematic universe as well like there are oh, yeah, other minecraft games and obviously minecraft legends is coming out next mm. month i think as well yeah. so it's like it's not even just the game anymore if concerned ape were to make another stardew game with a bigger team and then another one in 10 years time that would probably follow the same route but he's going off in a different direction right but i feel yeah. like it's like it's like the the scope again it's like the scope of a game like minecraft's scope is like comic books t-shirts clothing mm. lines like it's it's a yeah. franchise they franchised it essentially which yes. is why yeah. it doesn't feel there's no way that game is indie even though it the vibes are very much indie <laughs> like yeah 
Yes. I mean, I would I, I would say that an indie game can be franchised and still be indie. Um, I actually was going to pitch that as an episode idea to you guys later. Oh, so really? I won't go into, oh, go into that too okay. much um, right now. But I do think, I just blow your mind with this because it's a really evil thought that just occurred to me. They hired Telltale to do a Minecraft spin-off game, which is just <gasps> like the complete implosion of everything that we've been saying here right now. It is going to absolutely destroy us. Oh, God. Yeah. That was pre-Microsoft, though, wasn't it? Was it? I'm not entirely sure. I feel like... Yeah, how long ago was was that? That was about 2018, because it was when Telltale were going under. That was the game they finished as they were were wrapping up. (gasps) Was it? Yes. They definitely announced it pre-Microsoft acquisition, because I remember distinctly them saying it was going to be free to anyone who already owned Minecraft. Oh. Uh, <laughs> citation needed. I shouldn't say I distinctly remember that. I remember reading that in a pub on a Christmas party. <laughs> on a like, beer I definitely was drunk. Like, I cannot say that for certain. Great journalism, Liam. <laughs> but it was definitely pre-Microsoft acquisition that they announced that they were working with Telltale. But I think, yeah, maybe the game came out post-acquisition. You know what? I have a tool here that allows me to to research such questions. Nah, screw let that. Me, let just, me type it in. Let me just remember wistfully uh, one Minecraft's, thing that happened. Minecraft think, Story Mode? Yeah, that's what it was called. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. yeah. 2017. Um, first five episodes. Like oh, God, this looks pants. And I love <laughs> Minecraft. This looks bad. God. I never played it. I, I know Patton Oswalt is in it. It's like one of the voice actors. Really? really? Yeah, I huh. own it. <laughs> oh, right, that makes sense. So it's an episodic game like, like Wolf Among Us. Yeah, Telltale. T- yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah, 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 game yeah, of Thrones. Yeah. Oh, I understand. God, I'm, yeah. Who even remembers that anymore? Like, this game is not... I don't think this game has been talked about in years. We are the first people to talk about, talk about Minecraft yeah. story mode. Someone is going to get a Google alert and be like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> not if we don't put it in the show notes it's just me <laughs> i'll make sure to do notes, that i'll no do it <laughs> exactly exactly uh cool right i said i said because this debate could go on for literal years i said i would call time after about half an hour it's been about half an hour so do we have any concluding concluding remarks we'd like to say about what is an indie it's time to vote yes or no is it indie it I, i'm not gonna tell you what it is but is it indie yes Decision yes. Time. yes 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 <laughs> Yes. Okay, good. Right. A panic. Problem solved. Yes. Yes, it is. Just like... <laughs> Zero chill. So yeah, for this... Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Second part of our chat today, I think we're just going to have a little a little quick talk about some indies that have been released over the last few weeks that we've been enjoying. Yeah. And that's the plan, really, because we just haven't talked about new releases in a, in a few episodes. So We haven't, um, 
No, because we've been we've been theming. We've been theming a lot, so I wanted to bring mm-hmm. it back. We have. We're bring it back theming. to the new stuff. <laughs> bring it all back to you. Well, I haven't really been playing many indie things. <laughs> I'll just get my bit out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's it was good. It was the slightly deadpan tone of it that I mm, yeah. <laughs> Bring it all back to you. Well, mm. I wasn't going to like proper sing it, was I? <laughs> I was just... I think that... Do you not think that would match our energy if just we just burst into song randomly halfway do through not, a segment? Do not give me that opportunity because I will take it. Do it. Do it. You don't want from me to sing, do it, but I want you to do it. the Paradise Killer intro to <laughs> S Club 7. You won't be able to stop me. <laughs> that was a genuine threat. <laughs> For God's sake, someone talk about an indie game. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna get this out the way right away because I've I've been playing nothing but Resident Evil 4 for weeks. I played through the original, then I've played through the remake. I've not had time to play many indies, but one indie I have been playing is Rhythm Sprout, published by Tiny Build. I can't remember who developed it. That's on me. My apologies. But that game absolutely fucking rules. I've only played it for a few hours, but it's a rhythm game where you play a little onion knight killing sweet treats with weird faces and the music is incredible. It's quite hard for a rhythm game, mm. but maybe a little bit harder than yeah. uh, I thought it would be. But yeah, uh, Rhythm Sprout. Uh, Rachel reviewed it for the website if you'd like to read some good words about it. Nice. Yes, it's very difficult. I thought I was good at rhythm games and then I played Rhythm Sprout and I was like, oh no. Yeah, Sam. Oh God. <laughs> but... There is a mode which lets you combine the left and right buttons into one. And so if you're having troubles, you can make it easy for yourself. Even then, though, you still need to get the rhythm correct. So, (laughs) hmm. but yeah, it's a really good rhythm game. You recommended it to me or you told me about it. And then I played it and I was like, this is it's a really good rhythm game. The songs, the music is so good. So good. Yeah, that's a great recommendation. One that's all just made out of laughs. When you're in the Haunted Mansion. Yes, it's that's so one of my favourites. That and one yeah. of the tropical ones, but yeah, that's a yeah. good one. It's so good. Anyway, what have you two been playing? Uh, why don't you go first, Rebecca? Well, I, I'm pretty sure we're going to talk about the same game for at least part <laughs> of this, so I don't think it matters too much. Um, but yes, I have recently, as in last night, started playing Animoyapolis Chapter 1. We made, we mentioned this in our most anticipated Indies of the Year at the start of the year. Um, also, shout out to developer Andrew Quist, who got in touch with us on Twitter and was such a good sport about us being silly and saying his name a lot on the pod. So <laughs> yeah. thank you. He was thank incredibly you, good Andrew sport Quist. about us being creeps. <laughs> Andrew Quist. <laughs> and again, thank you. <laughs> thank you, Andrew Quist. Oh dear. But yes, I uh, the game, uh, chapter one of the game came out on, I believe, March 5th. It got delayed by a few days hmm. from the original release of February 27th, but it is out now. Um, it has been a hell of a couple of weeks for me, so I only started playing it last night. But I think I'm about halfway through. I think it's about three hours altogether. Hmm. Yeah. Yes, Liminal Space Horror. Very cool so far. I think mainly because I've managed to beeline to all of the swimming pool areas. And yes. Damn, I love a swimming pool. Just <gasps> That's generally. what I got. They are so, so good, aren't they? Oh, they're just brilliant. I mean, it's... The, the only criticism I have really so far is that I'm too relaxed because I love a swimming pool. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, the, char- the character... 
sort of goes into the, the big swimming pool level, which was meant to be, I think, the final level, but I managed to sort of sequence break because I found loads and loads of tokens straight away to, to unlock the areas. Um, because when you give me a jump mm. button, I will jump on the roof and I will find the 20, like, unlocked tokens <laughs> that you've hidden up there and request. Um, so, yeah, I immediately broke into the last level because it was like family tropical resort. And I was like, hell yeah, that's where we're going. And yeah, you get in there and your playable character is is just like, I'm not comfortable here. There is a really off vibe in here, which just didn't quite gel with my attitude, which is like, yay, I'm in a swimming pool. I'm going down the slide. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> going around the lazy river and it's an infinite loop of lazy river and don't threaten me with a good time. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely a different vibe than like all the empty office like oh, yeah, cubicles, the... which is yes. creepy. The conference center was really the, the mm. point where I got freaked out last night. I did I did the sort of intro bit, which is I don't, I think not procedurally generated like the rest. Yes. Um, then yes. I did the conference center, and then I skipped to the swimming pool level, which I think is is technically probably the last level that you meant to reach, but I managed to unlock it early. Mm. Um, the conference center creeped me out. That was the worst. I think it genuinely a thing that I'm really enjoying about this game is it taps into a very specific horror that I don't think you experience very often in games which is the the particular horror of being totally lost and not knowing whether you're going to be able to find your way back to the place where you need to be because there were points when I was playing it um especially in the conference center which is that the idea is it's just this huge empty we've all we've all been to like big convention centers and if you can imagine one when it's completely devoid of anything except a few chairs stacked in corners it's it is a very confusing space already um yeah and it's being procedurally generated it's kind of changing around you there's just a lot of similar but not the same rooms and there Mm. were points where i was looking around going like i've been running around for like five minutes and i haven't found my way back to where i started from and i was literally like am i gonna have to quit this game because I'm so lost. Am I going to have mm-hmm. to like basically restart a checkpoint? Because I'm so, so horrifically lost that I, I just don't have... And, and the game is very well designed to always sort of loop you back to where you need to be just at the point where yeah. you're starting to despair of ever finding your way out. It's like I've seen a bit of the, um, of the sort of developer behind the scenes stuff that he's put on on the steam page and it shows you the the levels procedurally generating around the player and it's very clever um mm. one of the one of the things that the steam page says is something like if you feel like you're you're hopelessly lost then you're on the right track if you feel like you're going around in circles that's when you're on the right track so oh, i don't really quite cool. know how it's working but the game is very good at just getting to the point where because i was playing i was playing with my partner um and incidentally if you want a really good simulator for being with, if you're like in a long-term relationship and you want a, a simulation of being in an unfamiliar city together and just being like on the verge of having an argument about how lost you are, I do recommend this game because it's just, you just be there like, I just, we've seen that palm tree before. We've been past that palm tree before. We've, we've been here. Um, so yeah, that was an interesting experience to play that with a second person. Yes. But yeah, just, just at the point where you've seen the same landmark maybe three times and you're like, I think we're doing something wrong. I think we're stuck in an infinite loop. Just then the game will throw you in something that you'd like, this is new. And we'll sort of keep you moving through it. That's so interesting because I got to the same point as well. Mm. It's that point of, I'm going to have to boot out of this game because I cannot find this elevator. And then you just turn a corner and it's there. And I just sprinted towards it. Yes. Oh my God. I'm just so grateful when you find it. Yeah. I was like, I'm not letting you out of my sight. Like, because mm-hmm. I can turn a corner and I will just get lost again. Yeah. So yeah, I remember sprinting towards the elevator and just being like, I got to get out of here. 
I gotta it's, leave. It's such a specific type of horror because so far yeah. I know that um I've I've heard potentially something a bit more supernatural happens at the very end of the of this first chapter. But <gasps> oh, really? as, as it is, I don't think it's like a huge like I think like just a bit of a, a bit spooky. more a bit of a more explicit supernatural happening mm. that's a bit more in your face. Whereas clearly there's something wrong, but you don't really have a sense. You're just alone in this vast space. And that is the entire driving force behind the horror for oh, the yeah. vast majority of the game. And it's very, it's very effective. That is what I will say. It's mm. very effective. Um, joking aside, I do think that the environments are, uh, some of them quite lovely. And you do kind of just think, I would just, I would just the settle mall? down here. The empty mall is so <laughs> yes. nice. Yes. Oh my goodness. I absolutely love that, that the game is about being lost in these, you know, empty spaces. I didn't realize it was procedurally generated, mm. but it sounds like it's done in such a smart way. I, I, I'm desperate to play this. I, do you? I don't find the idea of being lost in an empty space like that creepy. I, I've got like quite, when I think about maybe wandering around a school after hours, of it being like quite weirdly comforting. So I wonder how I'm going to find this game Ooh. because. I would be intrigued to know, yeah. Yeah. Because like when I flew to PAX this time last year, and when I fly to Boston, I have to get to Newcastle Airport at like three in the morning before anything opens. And they kind of direct you to the terminals through the back rooms, literally the back rooms. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> and I kind of love that space, just like that kind of quiet, I don't know, I find that weirdly comforting. So I do wonder how I'll find this game. It's probably going to make me shit myself, but I'm excited to find it. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, I'll hand over to Rachel for what, what have you been playing? <laughs> that you would like to highlight um, from the that, last few weeks uh, what have i been playing <laughs> i've been playing that game obviously i can't pronounce it any my i think it's like a joke at the start of the game where the character yes you, you walk up to the billboard and the character's yes. trying to pronounce it it's really funny that's funny. i was like that's me <laughs> yeah because he even says the first thing he says is animeopolis which is like the the mm-hmm. way that i was saying it if i wasn't careful so i i love that uh, that's really good I must be called out by a game immediately. Um, yeah, me too. <laughs> Love it. Um, so I've been playing a bunch of games. What Very quickly, I'll, I'm, it's not quite indie, but Par- Paranormal Sight by Square Enix is probably one of the best horror vision novels probably I've ever played. Like, it's really, really good. 10 mm. hours, if you want to play it. If you're into Danganronpa, Zero Escape, yeah, definitely go play it. I've written a review. You can go check that out. But honestly go in knowing nothing about it so that's up to you but that's the best way to play it is if you just don't know anything about it so take my word for it it's really good if you like that shit do it right now um but back onto the indie train um again that from this year that i've that i really enjoyed and i keep thinking about is the pale beyond which people have described as frostpunk on a boat Mm. so it's a I'm not really into survival simulation games. Like I really like Frostpunk, but that's because the story is so strong. And the Pale Beyond is kind of the same in that regard. Like, like on the surface, it's still like very similar. Like you're looking after a group of people who are in um, hazardous weather conditions and you're trying to keep as many of them alive as you can. But where The Pale Beyond kind of has a one-up over Frostpunk is that the story is so good. All the characters are great. 
I, even the ones that like hated my guts, you play as the captain of the ship and have to make hard decisions. Even the ones that hated my guts, I was like, I still like you though. I still really, and I'm going to hope, I'm going to try and make you like, I want to keep you alive. I think it's just like, <laughs> believe me, a lot of them have problems with you very early on because <laughs> someone's hidden a, a box of um, of biscuits and I'm like, come on, mate, we're, we're in the middle of nowhere. And they're like, but my wife gave me these. I'm like, I'm sorry. I did. We weren't supposed to be in this situation. You need to share them. And then it's like, I'll remember that. And you're like, oh, <laughs> please don't hate me. But it's a lot of the decisions, as much as they are like kind of grueling, it's not so much as in like Frostpunk's feeding sawdust to children kind of grueling. It's still very much, <laughs> it's still a, a tale that is very hopeful. Like, yeah, the characters are great. The setup is essentially you are the captain of the ship who has set off, an, set off on an expedition to find another missing ship. Um, one that has mysteriously disappeared a couple of months ago, something like that. The ship gets caught in a massive ice sheet. And so you and your crew of 20 people, all individual characters who have individual, individual personalities and names and all that. Yeah, you basically have to survive as lo- for as long as you can until rescue comes or you decide to leave and just try and survive off the ship. Uh, it's just really good. It's a great game. I think about it quite regularly. I'm just, I've played it a couple of times. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, definitely check it out if you love Frostpunk, but also if you're like me and you want a bit more story to your survival games, then this one, yeah, this is the one. It's really good. There's this That's lady incredible. that has a bunch of snow dogs and she's very much like, because she's very, keeps to herself and her dogs. And she's like, she doesn't really like talk to the crew. And just getting to the point where you're like friendly with her is the best feeling ever. And you find out she's into theatre and you're like, this is this is adorable. I, I, I love you and I will protect you at all costs. <laughs> it's honestly great. And a bunch of the characters are like that. I, there's so many people I like. There's this one eyed, this guy with an eye patch called Lefty because he only has like one eye. And he's like this like short Santa Claus looking dude. And he's, he's adorable. <laughs> and he's teaching someone how to read. And I'm just like, you are the Aww. nicest person. Um, yeah, it's just a really great game. Uh, there's a lot more systems to it um, than I, I'll, I'll touch upon here. But yeah, for sure, go check it out if you like any of what I just said. The Pale Where Beyond. It's not on my wish list. I'm just looking the at it. The Pale now. Beyond. It's so good. I, it kind of, I feel like it kind of went under a lot of people's radar just because, to be honest, like it, I, I would have breezed over it if I hadn't really known what it was. Um, mm. I don't know yeah. if um, Bellula Studios have done anything else. I'm just having a really quick look. Um, those are the developers. It's the thing, the thing that made me pay attention was that it's being published by fellow traveler, and I love, I love them as publishers. They pick up some really interesting games, um, yeah. and so I, it's one of those publishers you just trust, kind of like Devolver in a way. Like anything that fellow traveler, Finji, or another one, um, or Devolver pick up, I pay attention because there's something yeah. there. There's something, Same. and that—that's yeah. That was what the situation with this game was. Um, yeah, they're good curators of a certain type of game, aren't they? Yes. Mm. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the pale beyond. Add it to my wish list. Um, yeah. Current wish list count: one hundred and five. <laughs> oh. So we're, we're getting there. It was like twenty or something when we started this pod. So. <laughs> no, it wasn't. Oh, dear. oh Thanks, my god. <laughs> 
Incredible. <laughs> oh, dear. Let us know in the comments if you've also got way too many games on your wish list now. Oh, yeah, yeah. I want to know. Tell us your wish list count. Absolutely. I want to know it. So just before we go, our uh, our final section, as ever, is going to be on our current set of hyperfixations. Uh, the things that we just can't get out of our brains for the last couple of weeks. So, uh... Liam, would you like to start? Hello. So Hello. Uh, the temptation for this section was to talk about a little game called Resident Evil 4 Remake. But you know what? <laughs> if you want to hear what I think about that game, you can read my review on rockpapershotgun.com. It's very what? good. The review. Oh, oh thank you. That's very nice. <laughs> but I almost accidentally paid myself a compliment there. Shan't be doing that. Um... So what I want to talk about today is a, another little podcast that I'm absolutely obsessed with. It's called Let's Make a Rom-Com. Um, I think it's by a Canadian uh, podcast producer, and it's hosted by uh, three Canadian comedians, Ryan Beale, Maddie Kelly, and Mark Chavez. And the whole concept of the podcast is they're trying to write a romantic comedy and get it picked up by a movie studio. Um, this oh. season is actually a sequel to one they did last year called Let's Make a Sci-Fi, where they tried to make a serious science fiction TV show, um, despite the fact that they were three comedians, and that was really hard for them to do it without taking the piss constantly. <laughs> that season is phenomenal. It's a great bit of podcasting. They talk to a bunch of people who've written some famous science fiction. Um, in the last episode, they they actually did write this one hour long uh, pilot for a science fiction TV show. And they got like the guy who voiced Commander Shepard in Mass Effect to narrate it. And oh my God. they got a bunch of actors um, like uh, Rain Wilson from The Office played wow. a character in that. So this season is as good as Let's Make a Sci-Fi. Uh, it, it's an interesting evaluation of romantic comedies. And because they are comedians, they're a little bit uh, more comfortable this time writing something that has comedy to it. Um, the concept for their romantic comedy is unhinged and fantastic. And I'm so <laughs> invested. I really want them to make it because I really wanted the TV show they wrote last year to be picked up. I thought it was genuinely compelling. So yeah, that's Let's Make a Rom-Com. Go listen to it. It's a good podcast. Ooh. Sounds, sounds great. Really interesting. Who's next? Yeah, sorry. I was just, I was just zoned thinking about like... <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have to go look that up now. Like, oh, sorry. I got so excited, I forgot I was hosting our podcast. Thinking about that podcast. So, Rachel, please. Hello. Um. So, ever since the Nintendo Direct dropped the the news that a new Professor Layton game will be made, I have been obsessing over revisiting all the previous Professor Layton games. Uh, it's been awesome. It's been a lovely Damn. trip down memory lane. I've been a big Professor Layton fan ever since the first game. That and the news that the Nintendo eShop is closing, so a lot of the latent games won't be available digitally or like on that platform anymore. So uh and <laughs> I I lent my second Professor Layton game to someone in uni and didn't get it back. So I was like, well, that's Ooh. the only cartridge I don't have. And I lost the third one. So before all the physical copies like triple in price because you can't get them digitally anymore. I bought one from Oxfam and one from CEX secondhand. And yeah, I've just been having a great time. Just like looking at the boxes, like I'm playing through the first one. And yeah, 
I'm so pumped for the next for the the new game, um, new world of Steam. I love all that steampunk nonsense, but not like the cringy stuff, like the the cute this cute steampunk when it's like, <laughs> you know what I mean. But yeah, I'm just I'm really happy. I'm great. I'm living out like when I was oh god 14 years old playing the first one again. It's great. Damn. So yeah, it's been Aww, nice. That does sound nice. <laughs> Oh, R.I.P. the Nintendo eShop. Yeah. I know. Oh, Ugh. I know. 3DS eShop, rather. One point, uh, Capcom have discounted all the Ace Attorney games on the 3DS eShop to like three quid, only in the US. What are you playing at, yeah. Capcom? Uh, I saw that. So I really wanted to pick up uh, some of the Ace Attorneys that might never come to anything else, but never mind. They'll come to something else. I'll make them. <laughs> I hope God. they do. We yeah. don't glare at them. <laughs> Give them the old evil eye until they do it. Use all that mm. Resi remake money to remaster all the Ace Attorney's plays. Oh, God. Could you imagine? That'd be so Oof. good. Also, I would like to live in the world of Professor Layton. I think it's mm. quite charming. Uh, and I think I'd quite like it if I went, you know, to Morrison's to buy some bread. And the cashier was like, oh, you're right, son. If you want to buy a loaf of Hovis, first you've got to do this math puzzle. And I'm like, oh, fine. Okay, I'll do it then. <laughs> I tell you yes, what, though. The math puzzles. Fractions? I cannot. I, those are my downfall. <laughs> Give me a, a block pushing puzzle. I'm your girl. Whoosh, 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 done. Anything to do with fractions and maths, I would not be getting my Hovis bread, Liam. I would not because I could not work it out. <laughs> Rachel would be a thief. Rachel would be a criminal. <laughs> I would. Yeah, but before the police caught you, you'd have to be like, ah, yes, you've you've backed me in a corner here, officer, but can you solve my riddles three? Yes, my puzzles, my push block puzzles. Those are my favourite. Oh, you do a push block puzzle to evade the police. Yeah, That's so cool. like the police yeah. on one end, I'm another, and the puzzle is I have to manoeuvre my way. Yeah. Yep. yep. Amazing. Sorted it. There we go. Great series. I, I want it to be real. <laughs> You've That's created a world for Professor me. Professor Layton Indie. I know. That is the sign of such Ooh. a good game world when you just want to live in it. Yeah. yeah it really Level is. five? Probably not. Level five, I think you're probably double A, right? Yeah. Oh, this has ruined my life. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. I think we might have we might have actually ruined ourselves forever with this episode. So, <laughs> you know. But yes. Slight risk. Rebecca, why don't you tell us? Oh, so I have a couple of things I want to mention because at the moment I'm kind of I'm kind of between hyperfixations. It's been a busy couple of weeks. I've I've kind of dropped off a lot of the things that I'm I'm usually on my like on my bullshit about Danganronpa. I haven't really played any <laughs> Danganronpa in like a week, so I'm like, what am I going to talk about? Um, but one thing that I want to give a quick shout out to is a little a little movie. Um, you probably haven't heard of it called everything everywhere all at once um yes yes i i love that film so much i watched it um i watched it for the second time on the night of the oscar ceremony and then it went and bloody won everything so i probably don't need to give it any more uh any more like chat than that really it's it's done all right for itself um Mm. but yeah i just i i really enjoy that movie it's a lovely film if you haven't checked it out yet I recommend it wholeheartedly and it's lovely to see I think that's the second sci-fi film in five years that's won best picture which is just you know as a a genre fiction fan nice to uh nice to occasionally have things that I find particularly interesting turn up at the Oscars yeah Um, what was that was cool the Shape of Water was uh, 2018, 2019. Oh, yeah. The Sexy Fishman film. <laughs> the yeah. Sexy Fishman film. The Del Toro film, yeah. one. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so it's just, you know, it's, it's nice to see. I'm not I'm not a big film person, but I do I do like my, my horror and my sci-fi, so whenever anything from, from those genres 
uh, does really well for itself. I'm always very happy. And I will also say uh, everything everyone wants. I cried both times. Mm. Uh, the second time, most of the way through. I think. <laughs> mm. um, it's a very, it's very uplifting, but very emotional. Um, and I watched mm. it with with my parents the second time, which is also just <gasps> nice because you know it's it's a very like it's a story about you know intergenerational kind of relationships mm. and and luckily I have a probably tell by by how much they are also friends of the podcast we have a very good relationship but it's it's a lot better than the relationship between the parents and the children in the film yeah but it's still yeah. kind of very emotional I think mm. um yeah because everyone well most people have those those kind of relationships in their lives and it will it yeah. will resonate with them um the other thing that I wanted to mention though because I don't just want to shout out like arguably the biggest movie on the planet right now <laughs> <laughs> is that another thing that I like to do a lot when I'm when I'm kind of feeling the strain a little bit like I maybe have been over the past couple of weeks and not able to to really invest time in stuff that I'm really enjoying is I like to go through my uh fan art files. I don't do fan art. Mm. There's a good reason for that. I'm very bad at all visual arts, but I can appreciate some good fan art. Mm-hmm. And I have like little private folders on Twitter and Reddit. I'm sure everyone does where they just save the it's not NSFW, Liam. <laughs> Don't worry. I feel like, I feel like your face is getting concerned. No, I, I, I was, I was going to say that anyone can draw. I, I do not um, like hearing okay. you put yourself down about that. I wasn't okay. like, oh, they're definitely horny. That was not my truth. I apologise then sincerely for oh. misreading your expression so much. Oh, no. I, Liam's camera's gone. The cat gone. did that. That wasn't me. I wasn't. Oh, okay. My webcam didn't move out of sheer Sorry, murder. I thought that I defended you so badly that you would just rage quit the entire thing and throw your <laughs> throw your webcam in the end. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. I can't. I can't even with her. She's really bad with reading facial expressions, and I just can't. <laughs> um, anyway, sorry. Zero massively. Try and try and walk it back a little bit. Um, yeah, I like to. You know, it's nice to look through fan art that I find particularly like cheerful or inspiring i know i mm. sent some of it to you earlier rachel just to just mm-hmm. to make us laugh yeah, i thought it'd be nice i thought it'd be a nice attorney. chance to it, it was ace attorney spoiler alert some of these are ace attorney not all of them um <laughs> i thought it would be a nice opportunity to shout out some some fan artists whose work i really enjoy Ooh, yeah. um, just really quickly oh, yeah so the one that i sent to to rachel earlier was uh there's an ace attorney fan artist called angie m on twitter um or am i think that they're not super um they're a little private about you know mm-hmm. their name so i'm not gonna say anything more about their name but yeah they do some really lovely ace attorney stuff um similarly paula peroff i don't know if you you're familiar with her work she does some some really good she just runs the gamut of my favorite visual novels with like ace attorney danganronpa doki doki literature club oh. uh, amazing stuff also collaborates with um with some youtubers for some like animated shorts in those areas as well so those are really nice um, a few other people I wanted to mention are just uh, Kiana May, that's M-A-I, who does Pokemon anime almost exclusively Team Rocket oh. stuff, which I approve of wholeheartedly. I love Team Rocket. Does she work for um, Cartoon Network? Uh, potentially. I am not super sure. I feel um, like there's someone who I love who who <laughs> does Team Rocket stuff, and she has this thing where um, she gets the animators from... I don't know from um, Cartoon Network, and they do little post-it notes of Team Rocket, and they stick it on her on her door. I'm pretty sure it's her. She does oh, the best man. Team Rocket stuff. There's some really cool. good, some really good Team Rocket stuff on her account. Oh man! Oh, maybe. And then yeah, the other two that I want to talk about were Johnson Blaskowitz, who does uh, Life is Strange, very high quality renders. 
um, oh. of the Life is Strange characters and uh, Anastasia, aka Nastia Croft, who does Tomb Raider and also occasionally Silent Hill as well. So yeah, I've just been looking through my fan art folders, you know, enjoying nice little vignettes of fan art while I've not <gasps> had a lot of time. Um, and yeah, those are just five of the artists that I follow a lot. So I just wanted to give them a shout out for making me smile when I have been a little bit busy and stressed out in the past couple of weeks. That's amazing. That. What a great recommendation. I'm looking I at have... MGM stuff and oh, she's yeah? drawn a picture of Phoenix next to uh, Saul Goodman. That is so yes, good. Yes, it's a good one, right? <laughs> I have the same kind of thing as you, Rebecca. I have a, sec- a separate Twitter account where I literally, it's just art, memes, bullshit that make me that just makes me happy because like twitter can be a hell hole oh yeah a hell hole and so i just i'm the same as you so like all the stuff on the i was just trying to see if i follow any of the people that you were you were talking about i have this my list is too long but we should definitely trade (laughs) i want to share some of the myself as well but oh it is nice it's like a little bit a little slice of paradise i can just log on and just have a scroll and just it feels good. I like yeah. seeing these these characters in comforting like it's just comfort characters, isn't it? It's just nice. Absolutely. And it's just, yeah, I I don't know. It's fan art is not something that I can really produce. I will I will concede that anyone can draw. I will counter that I I cannot draw well. Um, <laughs> so it is just, you know, for me it's just a very nice thing. It's it's I guess it's kind of that that idea of like a hobby that you have no stake in personally and you can just kind of relax around as well is like mm-hmm. I know that I'm not going to be producing any fan art like for public consumption and so I can just chill out yeah. and look through my my favorite fan art folder for a while and just be like this is really nice that someone has produced this yeah yeah I can just enjoy it and it's like you say favorite characters and like you know reimaginings and so it's just it's just a cool nice thing there's not this isn't really going anywhere particularly deep I just I really like those fan artists so i wanted to shout them no, out it's, uh, while it's, i was between hyperfixations. <laughs> it's like it's a really great thing to shout out and and actually you've made me realize how much um and i was just looking there while you were chatting there's a twitter user called maddie uh, at oh that's raspberry uh, she does little illustrations of like situations in metal gear solid and uh, <laughs> resident evil and they're always like really charming like she draws big boss is like this absolute ditz who everyone absolutely <laughs> loves and adores and he's just like can can you help me microwave food and like it <laughs> doesn't understand how the world works oh god oh i love stuff like that so much she's the best like i genuinely like it improves my day every time i see just a little doodle she's done of like you know leon drawing the s in his name as that s we used to drew at school and stuff and, <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I like it. Good recommendation. You had mushroom ketchup last time. You got cool artists this time. This is the best. Oh. <laughs> I found the artist. I'm gonna send send the stuff her profile Please. over now. That would be awesome. Um, right. Shall I shall I outro us? Is it is it that time? It's yes. time. Outro time, because I'm aware that I need to let you lovely people get on with your evenings. Okay. False start. Good start. You've got to have a false start. <laughs> Everyone's gonna have a false start. Mm-hmm. The millennial pause. <laughs> really? <laughs> Have you heard of that? No. no. What's that? Oh, I'm going to waste your time here. The millennial no, pause is um, it's something that millennials do because we were so used to when we pressed record um, that it would take a second or two for something to start. So whenever we're recording something, we press record, we wait a few seconds and then we start. And people on TikTok, the, the Gen Zs, uh, call it the millennial pause and like proper rip into any millennials <laughs> because their videos will have like awkward pauses in between cuts. Oh shit, I um, don't apparently do that, Gen don't I? Zs. 
when yeah i do it i've noticed it massively gen z's now they know that when they press record an iphone it starts recording straight away so they they know that they start talking when they press record but we don't we go hey everyone how are you doing yes oh my god okay that See, is i that's yeah. great i definitely have that and like that is the second in which i in which i potentially like panic and don't say anything i wish i didn't have to live with the millennial pause but now i have a name for it so okay that's yeah. good <laughs> I love that. Like that. That's that great. Detail. Funny, you know. Yeah. That yeah. is so intriguing. And now I'm going to think about that. All yeah, the time. me too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. And with oh that said, God. I'll just I'll just jump into it. I guess. Take us home. <laughs> thank you so much for listening to In Discovery. Your support is always appreciated. And thank you so much again if you've taken the time to rate or review or leave a comment. The response to the first few episodes has been phenomenal. We love getting your feedback. Can't believe how lovely you all are. We really appreciate you mm. guys. If you haven't rated or reviewed us yet but would like to do so, please do head on over to iTunes or your podcast provider of choice to let us know what you think. It's a great way to support the pod and it's like totally free as far as I'm aware. So that is a really, really helpful way to help us out. Help twice. That's not good. But thank you anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile, if you'd like to get in touch with the three of us, you can email your questions directly to podcast at rockpapershotgun.com or leave us a comment over on the site or on the RPS Discord server where you can meet like-minded souls eager to bond over the wonders of PC gaming. You can also find us on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook and something called TikTok that Liam takes care of and I try not to think about. Um, (laughs) Down with that. Uh, so for now it's goodbye from me Rachel and Liam and we'll see you in the next one bye bye bye, bye.